We know now that in the early years of the 20th century, this world was being watched closely by intelligences greater than man's. Men from Moto. Digital strategies with Travis Sowers and David Seville. Intellect, vast, cool, and unsympathetic. Broadcast to the world with the uncanny help of Mana Deprived and FaceToFaceGames.com. Greetings, people of Earth. We are the men from Moto, and you are listening to episode 33, F2468, Who Do We Appreciate? My name is David Seville, and I have Travis Sowers on the line with me. How are you, sir? I'm amazing, David. How are you? I'm uh, I'm really good. Uh, still enjoying this this set. Looking forward to the next one coming out. I can't believe it's only a month away. And um uh, playing a little bit of standard. So I've got the whole kind of kit and caboodle over here in my magic world. Before we launch in, is is this the best draft format since Shadows over Innistrad? Uh, I I didn't like Shadows over Innistrad as much as you did, but I think for me it's probably the best since Cons. Okay. At least the most enjoyable. So I think we're on the same page there where it is probably of all of the draft formats that I've played in, you know, up there in the top three, I would say at least. Yeah, I think it may even be better than that. I was going to walk you backward and say, is it the best since Shadows? And expect you to say, probably yes. And then say, is it the best since Cons? Then probably yes. And like, is it the best since Innistrad? Like, I didn't draft Innistrad, so. Do it whenever you get a chance on flashback. It was fun. But like this is a this is a really good format. I I didn't particularly care for Kaladesh and Aether Revolt. I think the vehicles kind of ruined it and the flavor sucked. And then Amonkhet was a bit of a one-trick pony, and that once you figure it out, you're just supposed to draft aggro. It's cool and it was fun and the flavor was nice, but it didn't really give you a repeat experience that was different. Whereas this one, there's so many ways you can go. I, I think they've really done a good job. Um, with this set, it, it, it almost makes me kind of sad that we're not going to have too many of the two set blocks anymore. Cause I, I feel like this one really pulled it off. Well, yeah. I wonder if it pulled it off because of the two set format or the nature of it, or if it was just better than Ammon cat, like if, <laughs> if, if, because Ammon cat was, it was so aggressive and it was, it was so painful for somebody with my play style. I think I need to learn how to play, um, in an aggro format, I think, but I don't know. Maybe, maybe if you t- if you take the Amonkhet pack out of it, let's say and you just play Triple Hour of Devastation, would it be as good? I mean, it's it's a sm- it it might be like it, it's a smaller set still, right? Yeah. Or is it yeah. the same size number of cards? It's a small set, but okay. But so if you make it, if you like throw an extra thirty cards in there and make it a normal size set, it's probably just as good. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's not yeah. much that comes from Amonkhet that makes it pushes it over the top i think it's just a bunch of cards that happen to have cycling and and synergize with some cards you pick in pack one and two right um but like i'm never excited to open anything in amon cat unless it's a glory bringer um but a third pack of hour of devastation you might just have the thing the same thing so um it might just be hour of devastation but i I think you're probably right and it's just that there's more strategies that are viable other than aggro or like turbo defense yeah i've drafted i think probably a different deck every stream it seems like so mm-hmm. same here pretty excited and then standard obviously is fresh and new that partially comes from the bannings but you know it, I've, i'm even playing it now and and in the in the games that i'm playing i'm seeing a lot of diverse decks i'm just playing in the in the friendly queues um but it seems like everybody's having a really good time with it so it's it's we're in the golden age again of magic maybe we never left Things are really good in Magic right now. I, I think the set's doing well. I've been playing Standard as well. I haven't played any since the mocks. I've been kind of focused more back on Sealed. But like, as soon as there's a competitive Standard event, I'll be playing Standard again. Mm-hmm. It's a good time to be a Magic player. Life is good. It's a good time to be alive. Hell yeah. All right. So speaking of that, I mean, hopefully there's a, a, a more people out there that are playing on magic online um, because they're more excited to play and because standard is fresh, it's cheaper online. You can draft for cheaper online. There's a lot of advantages to playing online. And so we're going to do an episode that's not necessarily targeted to let's say the veterans of magic online, but maybe the people that are uh, just getting their, their feet uh, wet with magic online, or they're, they're curious about getting into magic online, or maybe they've played for a while and they haven't really figured out how to maximize um, the the differences or the challenges um, from playing online. So what we're going to do today is uh, is indicated by the title. So we're going to talk about kind of the the way to 
make magic online, make Moto sing for you, basically take advantage and, and learn how to, um, to play technically well on magic online, I think using, uh, you know, phases or sorry, uh, stops in your phases and, and shortcuts and things like that. And then also some con- conceptual advantages that you can gain over paper, um, as well as some disadvantages to kind of, to kind of think about. So we're just going to kind of talk about our approach to magic online and maybe some hopefully takes tips and tricks that, um, that you might not know about. And if you know of all of these, well, uh, you know, settle in and you can tell us where we're wrong you can give us feedback on it anyway and we hope you enjoy it uh, but this is probably targeted to the the new to intermediate players i would say and there's a few tips in here for the the old school gamers i, I would check in here too because i bet there's a thing or two that we've uncovered um that that might be of use like this is kind of my job now i play magic 40 hours a week um i'm able to do it while interacting with you know between two people and 400 people, depending on the day. Um, so you, you kind of have to be able to maximize this and get the most out of the program that you can. Absolutely. And we're going to be talking pretty much from an, an in-game perspective. We're not going to worry about trading and maximizing EV and things like that. We're only focused on the gameplay of magic. So, so let's just jump right in. I have a feeling this is going to be a, a fairly dense podcast here content wise. So well, the first thing it, yeah, I want to so. talk about yeah, the first thing I want to talk about is uh, the the phases of of uh, a game of Magic. So obviously, in paper, there's there's a bunch of phases. You have you know your untap, your your, so your upkeep, untap, draw, kind of all of that stuff. Um, main phase combat, all of that, all of that. When you're playing paper Magic, it's very easy to kind of just shortcut through a lot of those. You don't even maybe don't even recognize that some of them exist, especially if you're a newer player. Um, but online, it's kind of right in front of you. So online, you have the the phase bar underneath the play area where it lists all of the steps that you go through in a game of magic or in a turn of magic. And you have the option to put what are called stops on either side. So stop is essentially telling the game that when you get to this point, I would like to have a turn to do something. That something might not be anything at all. It might just be saying, you know, pause for me, let me make a decision, and then I will tell you to continue. So one of the things that you can do on magic online or one of the things that it kind of hits you in the face with is the fact that all of these phases are are distinct. So um, a really good example of that is the end of combat step. When you're playing in paper magic, it's pretty easy to just go, you know, attack, no blocks. Okay, take two, I'm done. And then you kind of miss potentially this end of combat step. Now, the end of combat step is rarely used, um, but... On, on Magic Online, it kind of hits you in the face that this thing is there, and there are things that you can do in the end of combat. So a really good example of that is there are some cards, or some sets have cards where you can sacrifice, or force your opponent to sacrifice an attacker, let's say, or an attacker or blocker. And you might, end of combat is a really good time to do that, because if they make a bunch of trades, once everything's dead, you're still in combat, and there's an actual place that you can say, okay, now that everything's dead, I want to make them sacrifice something that survived, as opposed to some piddly little 1-1. One, one. So playing online can actually get you, give you a, a technical advantage in paper magic because it kind of forces you to recognize that all of these different steps exist. So I know when I started playing online magic and then we switched back to paper, I actually found myself going through the phases and going through the steps mechanically, especially if I would normally have a stop in that phase on magic online. So I would actually say, you know, okay, I'm going to draw my card now, draw my card okay, in your uptap or in your uh, untap step, I'm going to do something, right? Or in your end step, I'm going to do something. Um, and I actually find myself playing much more technical magic, not uh, played online. The first thing that I got from these stops is still a huge one that has stuck with me to this day. I can remember playing in paper. My opponent attacks me. I make my blocks. And then this is, you know, Travis 20 years ago or whatever, just learning the game. And they say, do you have any effects? And I say no. And they say, okay, giant growth. And that's cheating. You can't do that. Yes. And Magic Online will not let you do that. Exactly. If the attacker passes priority and the defender passes priority, it's done. That's it. So like people can sometimes try to angle shoot you when you're playing paper like that. They can't do it on Magic Online. And once you recognize that they can't do it on Magic Online, when your opponent who's attacking says, do you have any effects? You can say... That's not how this works. You have to let me know if you have effects first. Yes. Because if, if you're the defender, that is how that works. Yeah. And that is one thing, too, that it hits you in the face with where if you're not familiar with that and let's say let's say I attack you, you block and I hit OK, you know, to, to pass priority because I want to see what you do first and you do nothing. 
now I'm locked in, right? So if I want to use my giant growth as an attacker, it's very obvious to me once I've made that mistake once that I have to decide before or hope that you do something in response. Um, and obviously, like you said, I think a lot of people make that mistake in paper magic or, you know, once you've made that mistake in paper magic, um, or it, it can be tough to determine that you've made that mistake in paper magic, especially if somebody's trying to get you because you're new. Um, but once you've made that mistake online once, you'll probably never make it again. So that that's kind of an advantage of, of playing paper magic is to learn that very specific rule that I think a lot of people get wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Especially new players. Mm-hmm. So when it comes to stops, I think everybody has something different that they do for stops. So what do you do for stops? Where do you like Moto to ask you for your feedback, your input, basically to tell it that you're doing something or you're not doing something? People give me a little bit of grief for this one. I have every single stop set on my turn and my opponent's turn. I've, I think I have timed out two or three times over the course of streaming magic and playing 40 hours a week for the past two years. You're a monster. I am a monster. I use the F keys, which I know we're going to get to religiously and quickly. My hand naturally rests on the F2 key and I'm ready to press it. You know, you're not really a monster because I think it, everybody has their own preference. Um, and as, as long as you're used, like you have 25 minutes on your clock, most in most matches right so as long as you know you're free to do with that 25 minutes whatever you want to do with that 25 minutes um but as long as it's not detrimental to your performance in the game i think it's fine i have actually few stops and the reason i have few stops is because i'm in a rhythm like i have a very clear rhythm when i go through my turn um and my stops are set up for that so on my turn obviously i have main one attack block main two which are just the usual ones and the reason for that is is because it's very rare that i'll ever want to do anything in my upkeep it's very rare that i'll want to do anything in my draw step uh it's very rare that i will want to do anything on my end step because i'll be doing it in my main phase um the reason I don't have a begin combat step is again, because I'll do it at the end of my main phase. So I kind of skip all the, all the, all the phases that are more intended for my opponent than, than they are for me. Now, the one thing that I do have that is kind of unnecessary is I do have a stop in the end combat step. And that's just a holdover for when we played formats that had those cards that I was talking about earlier, where you can make your opponent sacrifice an attacker or blocker. Um, and I think I only have it set on my opponent's turn. I don't have it set on my turn. Um, but the re- the reason for that is is because I went to take it off one day and I found myself F2-ing through my turn, like skipping through my turn because I was expecting there to be something for me to press at that. So I'd end up skipping through my main phase. So I put it back on because I was locked into that rhythm and now it's just natural. So I have this natural kind of flow to my turn and, um, and, and I use my shortcut keys to go through that. So I have a very clear pattern if I'm tapped out and I'm not attacking, you know, it's play my thing hit my shortcut key to skip to the end of turn. If I'm doing something on my second main phase, it's the same number of F2s every single time. um, And and I like that rhythm. So I think as long as you find something that works for you, that's not slowing you down too much, um, and it's giving you all of the places where you think you'll want to respond um, in in a normal flow of magic, then have as much control as you want over it, I would say. Your mileage will vary. That's exactly why I have all of the stops set. I used to play with something similar to what you did. And I would go to set stops, like when I knew I wanted to do something during my opponent's turn. And I was so used to the pauses and the breaks that I had that muscle memory would skip me through the stops I had just set. And I was like, you know what? The only way to make sure that this never happens is to have every stop set every time. If I ever want to do something in my opponent's upkeep, I can. And it won't seem suspicious if I think about doing something in their upkeep because I've had a stop during their upkeep every single game that we've played. So like I just leave all of them there and I F2 through it religiously. When I'm tapped out and done, I press F6 and I F6 through my opponent's turn. Usually while talking to chat and playing, I am even or ahead on time with most of my opponents. Now, occasionally I'll go super deep on a line or have to stop to explain something to someone like why you never mulligan and limited and I'll be a little bit down on time. But usually time is not a factor for me. Mm -hmm. But again, I would encourage people to set the stops that they think they're going to use and recognize that once you've done that, you will absolutely get into a rhythm with it, like what Dave has said. And for me, I, I wanted that rhythm to be complete and total control. Maybe I'm a control freak. Maybe. 
Um, what I do in that case is if I'm, if I know I'm going to stop in a, in a specific spot. So let's say I'm going to stop in my end step, um, because I want to kill a God and then not have it come back to their hand until the next turn. So I want to do that in the end step after that trigger would have already happened. Um, I will make a conscious effort to go and put that stop in, but I have found myself skipping through my opponent's upkeep when I'm like, oh, I wanted to stop in their upkeep and, and do something, right? To maybe make them cast a counterspell on their turn or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I, and I have caught myself. I have made that mistake rarely, um, but it has been a mistake. So maybe I should look to switch to full control. Um, or maybe I'll do that in, in standard where full control is probably more important, where you, we have more more effects, things like, you know, fetch lands in modern or, or, or evolving wilds and things like that. So, um but the rhythm is the key, I think. Mm-hmm. Rhythm is a dancer. And just being aware that there are stops in all of these various places and what you can do with them. That was a great example of using Celestial Flare at the end of combat step. Because that's that's absolutely something I did during that format. It's been a while since we had it. But that's exactly what it was for. It was like they attack with a 1-1 and a 5-5 indestructible. Cool. Kill the 1-1. Now, end of combat. Sack that guy. Also putting a stop in the damage step for first strike damage. Mm-hmm. So like doing doing something after first strike damage, like Magma spraying a god after first strike damage or something like that. Um, or, you know, a card is going to trade or something like that with your first striker. You can kill it with, um, you know, not damage on the stack, but first strike damage already done and then hit them with a with a a damage spell to the to the creature to kill it before it swings back mm-hmm. that's another thing that that magic online really taught me is that there is a, a distinct kind of first strike and, and second strike damage step <laughs> um and i mean i knew that but like i didn't really know how to take advantage of that when i was new new to magic um and i really kind of learned that from watching and playing magic online yeah it's a good teacher so the other thing that i think people miss and i think you've mentioned this is you like to be in control um and this is really easy to do in paper magic, but it's harder or tricky. A lot, not a lot of people know this because it's not a very common interaction with magic online and that's holding priority. So Travis, what do we mean when I say I want to hold priority? What does that mean? Um, a, a example that I remember very often was the card Geist Blast from Shadows over um, Innistrad. I can't remember if it was in that or in Eldritch Moon, but it was a card that from your graveyard let you copy another spell. So in order to do that, you had to have the other spell on the stack and then be able to respond to your own spell. And you kind of can't do that. Your opponent gets to respond unless you do something special. And that something special is holding down the control key. Hold down the control key is holding priority for yourself so that you can respond to your own actions. You'll very rarely want to do this, but if you're going to cast a a Geist Blast from your graveyard, that's exactly how you do it. Another example that you'll see in Cube sometimes if people are drafting Storm is Lion's Eye Diamond, where you discard your hand um, to to, uh, get three mana of any color, and usually you'll want to do that when you have a Demonic Tutor on the stack, for example, so that you're going to discard your hand, but that's okay, after this effect happens, then you're going to go get this this card that you want. So any anytime you want to respond to your own stuff, hold down the control key. Like I said, that won't come up very often, but it will come up on occasion. Exactly. And I'm actually just checking to make sure. So they've recently changed what the default hotkeys are. I'm just making sure that control is still uh, is still hold priority. And it is. It is. It's holding control. Yeah. Um, and that's key. That's something that's really easy to do in paper magic. You're like, I'm going to cast this and then I'm going to copy it. And your opponent can't really say, well, whoa, 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 whoa. You didn't actually technically hold priority because, you know, you, you kind of did. You kind of did it all at once. So I would think that that would be fine for for most judging purposes. Um, but on magic online, it's very easy to just forget to hold control. Um, and you want to do that as you're casting the spell. So when you hold control and then you click the spell and you continue to hold control until it goes onto the stack. So you might want to tap your mana first. Yeah, with any type of fork effects and anything where you're going to copy a spell, if it's your own spell that you're trying to copy, you have to hold control to do that. And that's not obvious. It doesn't really say it anywhere or scream it at you anywhere. And the cards just don't do what they're supposed to if you're not doing that. It's kind of an interaction that doesn't come up often, so I can understand why it's not built in there. But yeah, you've absolutely got to know to hold down control to, to maintain priority. Yeah. So the other kind of main difference, uh, probably the the biggest difference between paper and magic paper magic and online magic is the clock. Mm-hmm. So paper magic, you both play under the same clock. And if you go to time, you know, and nobody's slow playing generally, it's a draw. Um, 
in in magic online there's there's no concept of the draw so you're you're you both get a chess clock of 25 minutes let's say or whatever it is in in your format of choice and if you run out of time you lose if your opponent runs out of time you win great um so clock management is well not necessarily important you want to make sure that you're not wasting your clock and there's a bunch of kind of things that you can do to make sure that you're not wasting your clock so aside from hotkeys what's what's your approach to to the clock and clock management i have i have some thoughts on this and i want to talk about it before we dive in um quick question which do you prefer the chess clock or the shared clock when you're playing with your opponent um that's a really good question i don't think i actually have a preference maybe i'd pick the chess clock but i know that that's not practical to do in paper yeah um but like if if my opponent is playing in, in paper magic and we're on a 50 minute clock and they take 40 minutes and i take 10 you know i don't think that i should get a draw in that case um if i'm playing at like a competitive level because you know I'm, I'm trying to push the game forward and i'm probably in a winning position whether my opponent's slow playing or not on purpose but on magic online there's really no slow play like if you slow play you're it's probably only costing lose. you yeah it, it doesn't it doesn't cost me anything except the 10 minutes that i sit there staring at you while you're disconnected um so i think i prefer the chess clock but i know that they can't do that in paper magic yeah i i, I was just gonna say i i prefer the chess clock personally i've been in positions where i've had to tell an opponent i need you to make a play and it's just kind of awkward like that's not what i want to be doing and i've had opponents do it to me i think to put me off guard because i, I play relatively quickly but I can remember a guy at one of the GPs like, you need to make a play. Are you going to make a play? Can you make a play? And it's like, that's really distracting while I'm trying to think through my turn. And like just being able to remove that entirely, I think is a big benefit for Magic Online. So I, I, I like the chess clock, but you have to learn how to use it to your advantage um, or you'll run out of time. And it really sucks to lose a match to time, especially like <laughs> we've got lethal on the stack or something like that. Like I've had that happen before, too. So things you can do to manage the clock, we'll talk about the F keys and about how they've, they've been changed it. So if you've got like a fresh install of magic online, they may look a little bit different for you, but some things are like, this is very basic, but you can be thinking about what you're going to do while your opponent's clock is running so that when it gets to your time, you're making actions rather than thinking there will be times where you have to go deep into the tank, right? And you've really got to think out, okay, do I have lethal here? They've got two mana open. What could they have with that? It, take your time and work through that. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about when you have a pair of different two drops in your hand and it, you know, you're going to play one of them on the next turn. While, while your opponent is making their plays, you can be like, okay, if they play these colors of mana, I'll play the two one. If they play the other colors of mana, I'll play the one three and have that decision made so that you're actually making plays while your clock is going instead of thinking while your clock is going. Does that make sense? Yeah, I find that when I'm playing Paper Magic, I'm paying attention to a lot more things than my own hand when it's my opponent's turn. So I'm making sure that they're following the rules, essentially. Whereas on Magic Online, I don't have to worry about them following the rules because they they have to follow the rules. So I I have that those extra brain cycles, that, that free time on my side of the table to arrange the cards in my hand and talk to myself and say, or talk to the stream and say, okay, you know, I'm going to play this card and then this card and then this card and have my three turns mapped out unless something changes. Um, but Paper Magic, you know, if I'm sitting there looking at my cards and shuffling them on my opponent's turn, I don't know if they drew an extra card. I don't know if they tapped the mana correctly. You know, I... I I don't know if they even know it's it's their turn. Like I said, pass, and they're sitting there picking their nose. Um, not to say that, you know, 90% of the people out there that cheat or anything like that, but it's like when you're playing Paper Magic, you have to pay attention to not only the game itself, but also your opponent. And Magic Online, you just, you, you're playing against a brick wall for the most part, right? It doesn't matter. I, I, I do think it shifts the focus to playing the cards and the gameplay rather than um, paying attention to your opponent, and making sure they're following the rules. And you're right. 99, let's say 99%, let's say, you know, 0.001% of the magic players cheat. You know, it's probably a number higher than that, but let's say it's that you still have to pay attention to hundred percent of your matches. Right. And none of it happens on magic online. There, there's also people who, this may be something we cover a little lighter, but people who say you can't bluff on magic online. And that bothers me. You can absolutely bluff on Magic Online. I've done it so many times and I've won games because of it. It's a different yeah. bluff, but you can absolutely bluff on Magic Online. Maybe we'll have an episode on bluffing because I've always been fascinated by the concept of bluffing online coming from the poker world. 
and um and bluffing and paper magic i mean bluffing and magic in, in general is difficult at the best of times um but it's such a different beast on magic online where um it's almost like a technical bluff or like a bluff using the features of magic online. Whereas in paper magic, you're bluffing the person more than anything. So it's like, you know, you, you swing a blocker in or you swing an attacker into an obvious block. And, and if they can't, if they can see your leg shaking under the table, maybe that's your tell, but on magic online, they I have nothing to go off of. Yeah. Except, except the time it took you to make that decision. Right. So it's, it's a different, different set of, of bluffing skills, but I think we should go into that on, on another episode, but, um, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, technically speaking on Magic Online, you're you're playing well, you also don't have to remember your triggers, right? So oh, so yeah, not it's only fantastic. Like it's sometimes it's difficult to remember all of your triggers in paper magic. Like I know the best in the world have no troubles with it, but your average player, you know, misses one trigger a tournament, you know, it had an FNM or something like that, and, and that's enough that adds up over time. It's enough I of guarantee a, of a you there were triggers missed at the Pro Tour, dude. Like it's it just it's part of the game. It happens, right? Whereas Magic Online, you don't have to worry about that. So you can focus a lot more on pre-planning your plays, which you have to because you only have 25 minutes. So I, I like it. I like it. I really, it, it's definitely a different experience with the same game, which is kind of amazing that that there can be such a distinct, you know, this is such a separation between the two types of Magic, despite it being the same game. No. Any other clock management tips or tricks that you have aside from the F keys? Oh, th- those F keys are the biggest one. We've got to talk about those and get them covered. Cause like that, that is absolutely the biggest clock management tool that you have at your disposal. Absolutely. So, um, I think in the show notes, maybe we'll put a link to this, um, this, uh, the hotkey listing, which is the new default hotkeys. Um, but you can also go into your magic online and check the settings and see, there's also a little pop-up display of hotkeys. I think it's on the bottom. I want to say bottom, right. There's a little keyboard you can bring up and it brings up your, uh, what hotkeys you have set in case you're not sure. Mm-hmm. I'm looking at it right now on Travis's screen. This is great technology. Um, but the ones that I have, so I have the original F keys and I'm, I imagine you do as well. I do. Um, but they have all changed recently. So if you have a fresh install and you don't no, normally use your hotkeys and you, have, and you haven't changed them, uh, yours are going to be different than ours. So I'll try to go through them here as we do this. So we call them, we refer to them as the F keys. You know, F basically F2 through F8 all have a different function um, and they all essentially relate to passing priority or passing turn for the most part. So I think we're going to start with F2. This is the one I hit the most. Um, F2, which is one on the uh, on the new um, hotkey layout, and that's pass or OK. So whenever I have priority, I hit F2 and I say I no longer want priority. I pass priority to you. So whenever I have a stop set and I have nothing to do, I will hit F2 to to skip that. That is like the most commonly pressed one, I would say. Right? Yep. It, it, yeah. it is. And I will also mention, here's the first step of learning to use the function keys. Anytime you could press that F2 key, there will be a pop-up box on the center left of your screen that says, okay. So you can take the time to move your mouse cursor over to that little button and click okay. And I've watched people that do that, move it. Okay. 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 Or you can just press F2. You're saving seconds every time you press F2 instead of clicking that okay button. And those seconds will add up. That's how you end up having five minutes to finish a game instead of a minute and a half and being stressed out. I wonder how much time you personally have saved in your lifetime by using F2 instead of clicking hours, hours, maybe days at this point, maybe days at this point. I hope it's not wasted time. No, F- not F2, at all. Magic's awesome. If if the only one you use is F2, or sorry, if the only one of this list, list you use is F2, um, you will gain time on your Magic Online matches, period. Like, if you never press any of these other hotkeys, you're still fifty above the curve. You're, you're better than half the players out there, I would say, that play Magic Online. Um, I'm going to skip the F3 button. We'll come I'm back to that I'm not going to let one. you. Don't let me. But we're going to go to F4, which is kind of F2's older brother. So F4, or I believe it's uh, 6. Hold on one second. No, 2. 2 is the new hotkey for for F4. F4 is basically pass until something happens. So, you know, on my turn, I might press F4. And then if my opponent casts a spell, it will stop and it will say, hey, do you want to respond to this? Your opponent did something. And then I press F2 and I say, no, I'm good. Or I press F4 again and I say, whatever. But basically, if nothing happens on the turn, 
it'll skip through the entire turn with the exception of maybe combat if your opponent has a creature that they might attack with and even if you have no blockers it'll still ask you if you want to block or do something in that but if your opponent does not do anything it is pretty much the equivalent of skip the turn how much do you use f4 i didn't know that was a key so you just use the other ones you use f6 i use f6 f2 and f3 these are the keys that i use all the so time we'll come back to f we'll come back to f3 that's one of my favorite keys i love f3 okay so f i, I like to use f4 a lot because you know f4 on my opponent's turn is like the equivalent of almost putting a stop in every step it's like i stop after everything that they do and i and i have to hit f4 again but f4 is like you know f2 and skip all of the steps that all the stops that i have right so it's it's like skip through the entire turn unless my opponent casts something so i'll often f4 just to make sure that i'm paying attention to what they're doing especially if i have a tapper or something on my side of the board that i might want to activate that even if i'm tapped out i can still use um i'm going to want to make sure that i have the ability to do that okay so f6 which i'm checking here looks like the is the number six is past turn so pass until end of turn which is i have absolutely nothing to do don't bother me unless i have to make a decision let's say in blockers yeah so that says my opponent's going to do I don't care what my opponent does. Everything's going to go on the stack. I'm not even going to pay attention to it. Cards are going to go to the graveyard. I'm going to have to go back and look and see like, okay, whoa, whoa, what did my opponent do there? Because everything's just flashing off the screen. Um, This is the most efficient one, I would say, time-wise, especially if you're tapped out. Like you tap out, hit F6, it goes to your opponent's turn, you hit F6, you're done. Basically, you you never use a second on your clock unless you're assigning blockers. Yeah, I I use this key vigorously, religiously, and often when I'm tapped out and I often am tapped out in mana, or if I'm not bothering to bluff anything. Um, one of the things I've started doing recently is not holding lands for no reason. I found that it's bitten me far more often than it's helped me. Now you may have a reason to hold a land, right? Like maybe you've got a tormenting voice in your deck. Yeah. Hold a land in your hand. That's, that's fine. And that's acceptable, but far more often, like I've held lands to, to bluff something and then I've drawn a cycler, cycled into something I wanted to cast and not had the mana to cast it because I'm holding two lands. So I've gotten in the habit of just playing out all my lands. And when I legitimately don't have anything to do, just press F6. Like I'm not fooling anybody there. And if I want to, there's better ways to do it. Like the F3 key, not by just clicking through every step. Yeah, I will make sure to not F6 if I could have something to do. So like I'm playing blue and I have three mana up and I might not have a counter spell in hand, I will make sure to not F6 to make it obvious or somewhat obvious to my opponent that I've F6 through my turn and I've skipped through my turn because yeah. I have nothing to do. It, that's when I F4 most fre- quite frequently because, you know, I want to, sometimes I want to make sure that I, that I can bluff a counter spell. We talked about bluffing earlier, but yeah. stopping at the end of every, everything your opponent does is a reason to not F6 through your turn. Um, so I like to do it when I'm tapped out or have no cards in hand. Mm-hmm. Um, be aware though, don't do that when you have some a creature on board that you can activate um, like in response to something or in your opponent's end step because it's very easy to just skip through your entire turn even though oh I could have I could have made a one one for free with this guy that taps for you know tap to exert whatever that creature is called um, no mana cost on that but if you're f6 through your turn because you're tapped out you might forget that you want to do that which is where your favorite button comes in it does what does I, that do? I will talk about that one too. Although I want to mention you can use F6 a lot when your opponent is tapped out also. So if they're tapped out, you can cast your preacher creature pre-combat press F6. It will prompt you to declare attackers. You can declare your attackers press F6 again, and it just skips through the rest of your turn. So if your opponent's tapped out, there's no point clicking through each of your steps. Just be like, okay, fine. I'll cast the bitter bow sharpshooters F6 attack with a three, three. We're good to go. Yeah. That is key is that it will always ask you if you have creatures to attack with. It'll do that. But if you don't, I think it just skips right through. It does. Yeah. So, which is really good. Mm -hmm. It's Um, handy. It's a time saver. Now, F3, this is your bluff key. And we will go into detailed usage of the F3 key at some point in the future. But this is how you bluff on Magic Online. At least it's how I bluff on Magic Online. This is the oops button. Yeah, I use it more as an oops than a bluff button. Well, maybe you're accidentally bluffing then, but it's stop passing. So if I have F6 and I press F3, then it will un-F6 at whatever stop it was at when I pressed that button. 
Now, usually if you've F6 and your opponent has F6, F3 doesn't do anything. The phases are passing by too quickly. But F3 is just kind of, hey, stop passing. Whatever I've done, stop doing it. I want my priority back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I use that when I accidentally F6 through my turn. Like, I didn't realize it was my turn, and I'm sk- and I'm F4ing through my opponent's turn, and it's like turn two, and I'm like, oh, crap, it's my turn. I got to play a land drop. I hit the oh, crap button. F3, 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 F3. Okay, good. I can play that. Um, save my butt more than once when it comes to making sure that I hit my second land drop or actually have a second turn. I I have used this key a lot. Use this at your own risk. Okay. I'm not telling you that you should do this. I'm just telling you that I have done this. Let's say I have a sandblast and my opponent has a river hoopo and I really need that river hoopo dead. If I F6 through their turn, many online grinders in the competitive leagues and PTQs will be like, oh, he's F6 and move to combat and send it in. And that's where I frantically press F3 and then <laughs> to, send, try to, catch. to catch it and sandblast the river hoopo. And I've done this enough that I've got the timing down that I can make them think I've F6 through their turn, send them into combat and then F6 and snipe whatever it is I need to kill with the sandblast. That's mostly what I'm, I'm saying when I mean I'm bluffing. If my opponent's thinking through it, they should be thinking they could have sandblast here. And then they're kind of double guessing themselves with, well, he's F6. It's clearly fine, but that's not actually what I've done. Um, mm-hmm. it, it does still prompt you to stop in the blockers phase most often if you had something that could block, but they're not attacking with the river hoopo if you could. So like I said, use this at your own risk, but I use that key frequently to, to bluff in that scenario. And in addition as a, oops, I forgot to play my land F3, 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 F3. Yep. And that is five on the new, the new mapping. So they kind of mix, mess them all up. I much prefer the F keys because they're, you prefer um, it because F- you're used to them. I'm used to it, but also F2, F4, F6 are kind of all naturally in order. Um, and F3 being next to F2 is like my, my finger's always there. I can always kind of cancel it. So one that, that I don't use frequently enough that I should use more frequently. Um, I think it comes up more in standard than it does in limited um, or, or modern or, or kind of the, you know, the older formats is uh, F7, which is stack your triggers. You have a bunch of triggers and you don't care what order they go on the stack. You press F7. Um, I'm just checking to see. It looks like it's the number seven on the new hotkeys and it just puts them all on the stack. So instead of clicking on everything, like I'm playing this, uh, this budget standard deck, the Hepatra, the black green Hepatra deck. And sometimes you get like seven triggers on the stack when you do something. And it's just like, I don't care what order they go. And I could just hit F7 and do that. That can be a time saver because it's a pain in the butt to click them. And if you don't care, who cares? Just throw them all on the stack. Yeah. I had forgotten about that one. That's a good one too. And then kind of the last F key that is related to to time management um, is the what I like to call the dangerous F8 key. It is use at your own risk. So F8 is, um, what's the actual definition of it? Pass priority at all opportunities until canceled when you have no available actions, ignoring stops. It is like a permanent F6 if you cannot do anything. The reason I think it's dangerous is because sometimes it's buggy especially in like a cube format or something like that. There are some cards where, you know, let's say you have a force and will in hand. I don't know if it, if it does it for force of will, but let's say you have a force and will of will and you're tapped out, you know, there may have been a bug or may, may still be a bug where pressing F eight and going through your entire turn when you have nothing to do, um, would not let you respond to something with force of will, despite you being able to cast it. If you had another blue card in hand, the big thing about F eight is it applies permanently. So you F8 on your first turn and you will be permanently F8ed through the rest of the game. So if you're tapped out, it's just like, yeah, okay, you're done. I'm just going to skip over everything. But there's always that risk where you have a tapper that F8 ignores or something like that. You have some kind of ability that F8 ignores and um, and that can be dangerous. So I would use that one at your own risk. Um, I don't know if it's worth the extra seconds to run into the the mistake of, oh, I really needed to do something and Magic Online kind of screwed me. F8 is for casual commander games. Um, not that long ago, Derek Boyko, Tom, Archie, and I would do the commander four-man videos for Mana Deprived. Uh, those are still being carried on, by the way, at Newmont Gaming. Um, Ilian, who's been on the show before, is now kind of spearheading that still with Tom and Archie, and they'll have a guest on. So if you enjoyed those, you can still go find them. You just have to travel over to Newmont Gaming to get them. But in, in those where you're playing with friends, that's what F8 is for. You've got four people in there, each with 30 minutes on the clock. 
like, my goodness, I don't need to click through F2 through three other people's turn to get to that. And only jerks play counter spells in commander. Now I'm not talking obviously about the competitive commander lists and the one V one tournaments they do now. But like I said, when I'm playing with my buddies, yeah, we just tapped out and pressed F eight because it made it go faster and it was easier. I would never use this outside of that scenario. Like it, it's just too tricky to get used to it. I don't know that there's bugs in it, but I've, I've honestly never trusted it enough to even try it. So I, I would avoid F eight. If you press it by accident, you know, spam F3 and get your priority back. You got to have your priorities in order. <laughs> Absolutely. I think that's it for kind of those, those F keys. You can, there's also a hot key for yes and no, but I prefer to click those. Um, Me too. Just because I like, I like to think about yes or no. So like, do I actually want to do this effect if it's an optional effect? And the act of actually clicking on it kind of makes me, you know, recognize what I'm doing. Um, instead of just automatically like I do with F2 sometimes and, and click through my turns. So these are all fully mappable keys too, by the way. So if you're coming from another card game in eternal, for example, you would press space bar to pass through the phases. You could remap that to your F2 key. If, if you're familiar playing that way, or if you've just got something that's more comfortable to you, like my keyboard, because I, I played, you know, world of Warcraft and EverQuest. I'm old, shut up my fingers kind of gravitate to the WASD keys. I might have tried, had this been an option back in the day to remap that there when I started playing this, cause it's already keys that I'm familiar with. But like I said, I started playing this in the beta 20 years ago. So I'm, I'm quite F2, F3 and F6 are my friends now. The reason I don't like them on the keyboard, aside from the F keys, like on the regular keyboard is because um, I like to type. Why right? would you ever if- talk to someone in magic online? I talk to my Twitch viewers. Yeah, but you you could use your your voice for that. I could if I am typing. I don't want to accidentally be focused on the magic online window and press Q, which is like F2 and skip through my combat stuff. <laughs> okay, sure. So, um, but, but you're right. Map them to whatever you want, whatever you're comfortable with. I really like the F keys because they're not used for anything else. Like normally when I'm typing, like chatting or something like that. Or, I, I still or think you like them because you're used to them, which is fine. That's the way I, that's the reason I like them too. But like if, if, if it had been mapped to something else, I'd be used to that too by now. Yeah. Sometimes I will tell my opponent in paper magic that I have to. Oh yeah. Especially, I that all the time. especially if I know that, that, that they play magic online. So I even use them IRL. Not even ironically. There's two other shortcuts that I want to talk about. Um, the one is the auto mana tap key, which I love. Um, I don't use it enough, and I need to make a conscious effort to use it more often. But the auto mana tap key, which for me is M. Um, I'm not sure what it is on the... Oh, it looks like it's W. Um, it will automatically tap your mana for... I don't know if, it, if it's smart enough to, to give you the colors of mana that you need, or if it'll it just tap not. for the first available mana. That's what um, it But does. for something like an Aether Hub... It'll just tap for colorless. Mm-hmm. Um, for anything that like taps for two colors, it'll give you the first one. So what, what I do is if I need specific colors, I will tap those first and then I'll hold down M and tap everything else. If I have, you know, if it's cube and I'm, I have tri lands or, or dual lands or something like that. And right clicking on them is just a pain in the butt, especially if you have like a bunch of them. Um, so I really like that one. And I don't think a lot of people know about that one. Yeah, it's absolutely useful. It doesn't come up super often in limited because you're you're usually playing with a lot of basics. But if if you draft cons or something like that where your mana is all over the place, you will save yourself a few seconds using this key. And I've gotten in the habit of using it too. Um, It helps a lot in constructed when you're playing with duels. And my goodness, I I would have timed out in modern tournaments if I hadn't used this. Yeah. Um, And then the always yield, always yes, yes option. So when there's a trigger on the stack... Um, instead of just hitting F2, the first time you see it, you can like right click on it and get a bunch of options, which one of them is like always yield to this effect, either on your side of the table or on the opponent's side of the table. This is actually more recent to Magic Online, but you can say, you know, let's say your opponent plays an Aether Hub, you're playing standard, you can right click on the trigger and say, I'm always yield or always F2 is essentially what that is to my opponent's Aether Hub effects. And then anytime they play an Aether Hub in the future, it doesn't even ask you if you want to do anything. You just pass priority for everything. So I do that for um, effects that that I, I don't need to respond to ever. I would never do it for effects that I might want to respond to. So, for example, um, the Devotee of Strength, the 3-2 that, that you pay 5 mana and pump something. I would never always yield to that because I there's there may be a point at some point in the game where I want them to... Um, 
to use the pump and then I can open fire the thing that they pumped. And if you auto yield um, and forget to undo that with the F3 key when you have open fire in your hand, um, it'll just skip right through that and it'll just pump them uh, without asking you to do anything in response. So I like to do to my own things and some of my opponent's things. Um, but that can also save you a lot of time, especially if you're playing a format where there's a lot of repeated um, repeated effects, right? Like you always yield to your own exert effects because generally speaking, you don't have to respond to them. Um, and it can actually save you quite a bit of time too. Yeah, I, I think usually that comes up more in constructed than limited. Like even I have wanted to ambuscade after the exert trigger has gone on the stack. But I, I get what you're saying. I'm never... I'm really going to want to respond to the activation of my own fried sand walla, but I certainly want to be able to respond to my opponents. So I, I would use that when you've got repeatable triggers that are going to go on the effect, the, the stack that you just never need to respond to. You'll see it more often in cube and constructed. If you put all of those together, you probably save yourself three minutes in a match of magic. Maybe I would say like on average, like you can actually save a ton of time. Um, if you go from like the point click, and, and having a stop in every single step and never yielding to anything um, to kind of F6ing all the time and yielding to everything you can, you probably save a few minutes of, of magic. Maybe not in a game or, or in a match, but certainly over the course of a, of, a, of a draft or something like that. I think you do in each match that you play, and then you can use that time where you need to think. Like there's times where in, in the beginning of playing on Magic Online, I would get to a spot and realize I needed three minutes to think through a play and then look at the clock and recognize that I don't have it. So I'm like, well, I'll just do this and hope it works. Whereas these days, I don't have to worry about that. When it gets to that spot where it's like, okay, decision time, I can actually take three minutes, not worry about my opponent calling me for slow play, not worry about a judge strolling by and just stare at that board and do all the math with a freaking calculator sometimes if I need to and work it all out, figure it out, and then make the correct play and not stress about the clock at all because I, I've, I've got that handled. I've been playing efficiently. So now that I need the time, I have the time. Mm -hmm. So you mentioned an interesting thing here, um, doing math. I want to kind of, I think that's a nice little segue into the other advantages that you can get kind of playing on magic online and go back to that comparison of online versus paper. Mm -hmm. um, in the, in the warm up, we talked about a list of things, but there's a lot of other advantages you can gain, and, and, I, and I think I want to go down this list and, and we can kind of touch on all of them. So one of, one of the things that you brought up was screenshotting decks. What do you mean by that? Uh, a big one is, um, well, first of all, you should screenshot every limited deck that you play, period, if you want to get the biggest advantage that you possibly can. Have you ever been playing in a paper event and thought, what can I draw to get me out of this? Well, all if the you're, time. All the time on Magic Online, just screenshot the deck, have it on another monitor, or put it in paint and just leave it there and pull it up when you need it. You can not only wonder what you could draw to get out of this, you can go reference the list and say, oh, I could draw this, this, or this, or this. If it's any of these four cards, then I want to attack here, even though I'm throwing away two creatures, because I'll just win the game. And then all of a sudden make a play that can win you the game. In addition, you may have tutor effects in your deck. Uh, Green Sun Zenith is one that pops up in cube all the time. There's d Diabolic Tutors. There, even Razaketh's right in the format that we're playing right now. When you draw that card, you shouldn't cast it and then see what you could go get with it. You should decide what you want to go get and then cast it when it's right to go get that card. And you can't do that if you haven't screenshotted your deck. So the want to get better at Magic Online? This is not cheating, by the way. You, you can do this. Many of your opponents are doing this. You can't do it in paper, so it's it's a difference between the game. It's the same thing. You're never going to time somebody out in paper, but your opponent, you may have time somebody out online. A whole different experience, but screenshot your decks. Absolutely start doing that now. Put it in paint. Leave it there and reference it. On top of that, when you figure out what cards you can draw as outs, you can then do the math on these things, and you have a calculator right in front of you on your computer um, I'm pretty sure your opponents in paper magic would look at you sideways if you busted out your phone and started doing math. Um, but on magic online, go nuts, run the hypogeometric calculator to see if your, your hand is a, a mall or a keep. Um, and it doesn't take you very long to do it. Whereas in paper, you could do the, the paper math, you know, for some things, if you're not very good at math, it might take you a few seconds, but on magic online in front of your computer, you can just do it instantly um, as long as you know what you're looking for. So, you know, being able to do those calculations once you've looked at your deck, I think, is also very important. Mm -hmm. You also have the opportunity to pop out your opponent's graveyard and screenshot that. Like mm, at any point. I like this one. 
Like this is a big one for me. When the game ends, the, I've made it a habit. The first thing I do is go click my opponent's graveyard and look at the cards and say, okay, how many X1s do they have? Do I need to bring in that Blazing Volley? Did they have effects that punish X1s? Do I want to take those out of my deck? Like look at what they're playing. Count how many flyers they had. Is this a good time to bring in a plummet? That sort of thing. But you can take it a step further and just pull out their graveyard and screenshot it. So when you're thinking about what to play around, be like, well, they had, you know, Gift of Strength, you know, a copy of that in the first two games. I'm not going to play around plus two, plus two. They haven't shown me that in two games. I'll play around plus three, plus three by doing this. Mm-hmm. So wh- why not do that? Take advantage of it. I mean, it's free information, right? And I mean, in in a in a paper tournament, you know, before I scoop, I can say, hey, can I look through your graveyard, right? And make a note of it. But I'm not going to write every single card down. That's, that's you know, I'm pretty sure you'd get... No, you a judge would come over and maybe... Well, you, you can, can write do it down. But I'm not going to, like, sit there and write 30 cards down. Like, that's just, that's just ridiculous, I think, in paper. Magic Online? Trivial. You might as well take that advantage if you can. But I'm certain, like, you know, I could look at my opponent's graveyard... I don't know if I ever would in a casual setting or like a, like an F and M or something like that. Um, especially if I was just going to scoop the next turn, mm-hmm. but like you have three minutes of sideboard time, 30 seconds of which can be spent or more of looking at the previous board state and then going into your sideboard, um, um, after that. So take that, take that time, um, into your advantage, I would say. Agreed. One of the things that I like to do on online, which is something that I can't really do on paper. I mean, we, t- I guess we talked about this earlier, um, but it's certainly sorting out my plays ahead of time. And I will often do this with my opening hand where I will put my mana and cards in order that I want to play them unless something happens otherwise. Um, and I find this is important for, um, decks where I might have very specific mana requirements for turn two. And it just, what it does is it lets me, um, say for example, you know, I have a have hatcher in my deck and I have, you know, I want to be playing, my black source or my green source first. Maybe I'm playing a splash or something like that. And I want to make sure that I don't play my splash color first because then I can't play Hepatron two if I draw her. So I, I can do things like that and I can make sure that, you know, I put all the cards that I want to play first to, to the one side of my hand. And it's just natural then for me to be clicking there. And I find myself actually making fewer mistakes that way when I sort my hand out. I mean, in, in Paper Magic, I can do that too, but in Paper Magic, I have the habit of shuffling my cards because I saw it on a stream once probably on the Pro Tour, um, and now I, I, I never sort my hand out, uh, mostly because I think it also gives away information when you sort your hand and you're playing from one side of the other. Like if you're playing Paper Magic, you put all the lands on one side and the spells on the other, and you draw your card and you put it on the land side and your opponent's paying attention, uh, they might realize that, you know, that, that you just drew a land, um, but they can't see that on, on Magic Online. Like they can't see you shuffle your cards, so... I like to take that and, and put that use that to my advantage. The other thing I do when sorting my cards on Magic Online is um, when I reveal my hand to my opponent, I will make sure that um, any new cards go to the other side of my hand so that I know if I'm playing lands, I'm playing them from the lands that I know that they saw for sure, and I can have that divide between them. In Paper Magic, I used to you know put the ones that I revealed off to the side, and then any new ones that I drew, I would put to the other side. But then again, it became obvious to my opponents that I'm playing a card that I just drew. Um, so, you know, they don't have to worry about paying attention to that list of cards that they wrote down, or they don't have to write down a list of cards when they looked at my hand. They could just rely on me, you know, playing from the one side of my hand instead of the other. So I think if I, I get an advantage, or at least my play improves, um, you know, introspectively when I do that on Magic Online. It is nice not to have to worry about it. I have different habits in paper than you do, but that doesn't really matter because online your hand is there. You can shuffle it however you want it. You can rearrange the cards however you want and your opponent doesn't see you doing it. And there's, there's no interaction there. It's purely for your convenience. So use it that way. And then uh, I think you had a favorite one here too, for sealed specifically. Oh yeah. The, the deck building tool here, like I've played, um, GPs where I have to register a deck and then build a sealed pool. And my goodness, is it so much easier to organize the cards in here? You can sort them by color. You can sort them by converted mana cost. You can separate spells from creatures. You can add lands with the click of a button. Um, a big one while we're on the topic of lands is don't play the foil land that you opened. Don't play the, um, full art land that you opened, you're, you're giving away information there. When you're playing limited, use the same ugly basics that it gives you for default for all of your lands. I have been able to tell when my opponent plays, um, 
forest mountain island and the island is full art, I'm like, okay, blue's the splash. And like, they don't need to be telling me that, but that starts me thinking, okay, what would you be splashing from blue? Okay. Maybe they have, um, the, the blue red God, maybe they're splashing an unquenchable thirst. Like I start thinking about things like that. And then I'm not, I'm kind of not surprised when they play the card that I was thinking about. Whereas if it just been a basic Island, I'm not going to think about anything like that at all. So I'd, I'd encourage you to do that, but also take advantage of the the tools that are there for you to sort cards, adjust cards, move them around. It is so much easier to build a sealed pool on Magic Online than it is with, you know, 60 cards in your hands. That's a true story. I love the drag drop. I love that I can put cards in different piles and say, I'm definitely playing these. I'm not playing these. I can even hide the ones that I'm not playing. Mm-hmm. But like building a building a sealed pool at the, at the pre-release that's a stressful experience sometimes, uh, you know, trying to read everything and try to sort everything out. And then you have 10 minutes left to build your deck and sleeve everything. The Give hide, me magic online for that. The hide function is also really super helpful for when I open a torment of hailfire and I don't want to talk about it anymore. I just hide it. And then nobody asks me why I'm not playing it. And it's just, it's solved and it's great. Somebody cast me or cast that against me in standard the other day. And I laughed. It, it won him the game, right? No, no, it didn't. Um, it was fun. I mean, standard's a different beast, but you're right. I, we should we should talk about that on another show. Agreed. Um, I think I want to wrap up with some disadvantages. So, like, we make playing online sound like it's the easiest thing ever, and why wouldn't everybody do it? Um, there are certainly some things that, if you're not experienced with Magic Online, that you can get got by. Um, I believe that's the technical term, get got. That's what we should have called are, the podcast. We should have called got. it get got. Mm-hmm. What are some some gotchas that that you're that you still run into these days or that maybe you don't run into anymore, but you know that you used to, um, you know, at least once that was kind of critical? I cast a combat trick on one of my opponent's creatures while we were in a fight. Um, Things that don't happen in papermagic.com. It was in Shadows Over in Like, I remember this. I remember the format. It was Shadows Over Innistrad sealed. Like, I remember exactly what happened. I had the stupid... Um, Lithomancers, blah, blah, blah. I don't even remember what it was. It was the white combat trick. And I like, they're blocking my creature. I clicked the the combat trick. Then I clicked the creature I wanted to kill because I'm an idiot. And I tapped my mana. I buffed their dude. They ate my creature. And that was the end of it. Like that's kind of more of a brain fart, but like, you're never going to do that in paper. Like I'll pump my guy and you lay the card on the table. You don't even have to put it on the creature, but like, I, I have no idea where my brain was, but like that, that's one that I absolutely remember. I have incorrectly targeted my own land with a land destruction effect. That's impressive. Yeah. It was like, click, go to click the mana. Oh, I didn't click enough mana. Why is that? That's strange. I'm pretty sure I clicked four times, click a fifth time to tap the fourth mana. And it turns out that the first click that I was doing was targeting the spell, not tapping for mana. Mm-hmm. 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 I have seen people blow up their own dudes with bone splinters. Yeah, that's a that's a great one. Although recently they did add a prompt to ask you if you want to target your own creature with an effect that has a sacrifice attached to it. So like a bone splinters effect or even I think lethal sting. Mm-hmm. I want to say lethal sting where um, it'll say, are you sure you want to do this on your own creature? I have been fortunate in that I have not seen that prompt from Lethal Sting, but it's probably because I've made the mistakes in the past. I have noticed that when you sacrifice the deserts to their own ability, it will ask you if you're sure you want to do that. But that's the one that I'm thinking of. Yeah, not Lethal Sting. It's the deserts. So like, be careful with these cards that work this way and make sure that you read what it says over in that little window about the middle left of your screen. Like, are you selecting the targets for the spell or are you paying casting costs? Like, There's also two ways you can cast spells here. You can tap the mana for it and then click on the card, or you can click the card and then click on the mana. I almost always click the card first and then click on the mana so I can make sure I'm casting what I want because I've made the mistake before of tapping the mana and then moving the mouse and clicking on the card and clicked the wrong card by accident. And then it's cast and there's nothing I can do about it. So if if your patient's in a little more deliberate, click the spell you want to cast first, then select targets, then spend your mana. And once you get in the habit of doing that, you won't make those mistakes. Also, I imagine you have only blown up one of your own lands once. Yeah, because now I read the prompts. Yep. You got to do it once and then you've learned for a lifetime. 
But hopefully listeners out there don't have to make this mistake. Well, also, hopefully they're not playing Land Destruction Unlimited. What kind of monster are you? It was Artifact Destruction with the secondary effect of Land Destruction. Uh-huh, uh-huh. It was my only sideboard card. I don't um, remember what format it was. I think it was actually maybe Kaladesh. What was it? It was a four mana sorcery demolish? speed. Demolish? Demolish. That's what it was. All right. And it demolished you. It, yeah, I lost the game because of it. So, um, and then the only other one, which happens, it, it's harder to, or sorry, it's an easier mistake to make. Um, and it still happens to the best of us is, um, obviously F6ing through your turn. Yep. You don't want to do that. Especially Pretty tough to do that in real life. Yeah. I, I have, uh, I think three times F6 through my own turn when I was on the play, but thought I was on the draw. Take a second and read every once in a while your opponent chooses to draw. And while they're probably wrong, um, punish them for that rather than just being like, no, I don't want to turn one. You go ahead. You play first and you draw a card. It's fine. It's so dumb. So dumb. Yeah. I, uh, I almost skipped through my turn the other day. Um, because I was actually F twoing through many, too many times I was out of my rhythm and um, I think my opponent played a one drop is probably what it was. So I was not F2ing the same number of times I normally would on uh, on turn one. So I should have used my F4 key. Wouldn't have been a problem. Yep. Or F6. Or F6. Magic Online is really the greatest way to play Magic, though. Um, like, I think it's far superior to Paper Magic. Aside from the personal experience you get playing Paper Magic. But, like, it's so much easier. You never forget your triggers. You don't have to worry about your opponent wasting your time. Uh, like, I mean, outside of the 25 minutes that they get normally, but like, you know, they're not going to sit there and, and waste their their 40 minutes of a 50 minute match and you feel kind of ripped off. It's it's so good. You don't have to go anywhere. Like I talk about this all the time when I'm playing in those big tournaments. Like I've been to GPs and GPs are great. I get to meet people that I haven't met before. I see old friends like I went to Toronto and I would go again in a heartbeat. I met some stream viewers. I had a great time. I hung out with Martin and KYT. Like it, it was a great trip. However, the bathrooms were gross and the food sucked. And when I was between rounds, if I couldn't find those cool people, I was kind of sitting there by myself. When I'm playing in a tournament on Magic Online, the food's great. I can go grill a hamburger if I want to. The bathroom's right here and I can hang out with my cat. Like, I would always choose online over paper for gameplay. Now, if you if you want the social aspect, Sure. Like go hang out with some friends. Like I play board games. We have friends over. We'll play that or play the Jackbox games, do all sorts of stuff. That's fun with a group. But if you're just looking to play magic, I think online is far superior. That's, that's why we're the men from Moto, not the men from FNM. That'd be a cool podcast though. Uh, probably wouldn't be competitive enough for me. Bunch of losers. <laughs> oh, shots he fired. That. He doesn't mean that. I mean it a little bit. No, I, I just I, no. I don't mean it. I, I actually did play in F and M for a long time, and we had a local game store when we were in Centerville. Shout out to Island Games that we would go to and play every once in a while. Um, I've just kind of gotten out of the habit of playing paper, and it it feels like for me, if I'm playing Magic, since I'm a professional streamer, I should probably be streaming it. Like I can't go stream F and M, so it's like I just kind of got out of the habit of playing paper. Like if, if you and Martin lived next door, we would be drafting, you know, once a week. I can't wait till we can draft with our friends on Magic Online. I'm so waiting for that. That's on my Christmas wish list this year. Again? Mm-hmm. Maybe we could take a trip to uh to the East Coast and we can go and see Blake and and, and all of them at Wizards and say, like, hey, like they're on this idea. They're on the West Coast or West Coast. I said East Coast Seattle, didn't I? Or did I say West Coast Seattle or uh, East Coast and not say Seattle? You just said East Coast, but it's all right. Oh, shit. I meant West Coast. It's all right. Anyway, got anything else you want to uh, say about Magic Online or are we kind of good for this week? We didn't quite work it in with time, but I think that I'd like to put it there, too. I have timed out. I have won games where my opponent has timed out. Oh, yeah. Chat will often say to me when my opponent has four minutes left, play the clock, play the clock, play the clock. And what I've learned is, is that you kind of can't play the clock. You can lose a game of magic in four minutes easily. Right. So trying to just focus on that has never helped me. I have done it. This is how I know. Okay. I'm not looking to play the clock. I'm looking to win the game. And if my opponent happens to time out during that process, that's fine. Right. Um, 
One thing I don't do and have not done is activate trivial abilities to try to drain my opponent's clock, because at that point, all I'm doing is punishing a newer player. Anybody that's actually paying attention, once I start doing that, we'll just press F6 and move through the turn. Like, it's not a big deal. Um, I would encourage you not to try to play to the clock in that way. I would encourage you instead to play to the clock by playing efficiently and quickly using your F keys and making sure you have time to think where you need to. And like I said, I've had an opponent at three minutes kill me when I have 20 minutes on the clock. That feels awful. And it'll feel a lot worse if you decided, well, let's try and time them out. And then they kill you anyway. Because it it could be that your opponent's goofing off and double queuing and is a jerk. It could also be that their internet crashed and like they had to reboot or like they really had to go poop right in the middle of a game. Like you play magic long enough, that's going to get you too. Like, well, I've just lost five minutes of of my game, but I'm going to have to get back in here and try to win it. So don't underestimate an opponent who's lower on time than you. And I, I, again, would encourage you not to be scummy because you're, you're not really, you're not really helping yourself get better at magic by tapping and untapping your um, vizier of tumbling sands 500 times when your opponent is pressing F2 every time they should just press F6. And the fact that you know that, and they don't, isn't making you a better magic player. It may win you a pack of cards, but are you going to be able to sleep at night? No, no. It's not, not me. It, man. No. I agree 100%. And uh, anybody that wants to fight me over it can can come and find me. Um, they could fight me too, but I probably don't have time for that. I'll just F6. <laughs> All right. I think that's going to do it for this episode. Uh, thanks once again to our hosts, Mana Deprived and FaceToFaceGames.com. And thanks to you, the listener. Uh, please come and interact with us on uh, on the internet. You can find me at uh, twitch.tv slash dcivilian and Travis at twitch.tv slash semulin. And uh, we're both on Twitter on the same, although we don't tweet very much. And, I do. Uh, if you... I've been tweeting a lot lately. That's, that's true. A lot of retweets and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you like the podcast, if you enjoyed this episode, uh, come leave us a review uh, either on iTunes uh, or on the Mana Deprived website directly, or you can even just send us a feedback. You can come and hang out in our, in our Twitch chat or on, uh, on Twitter. Um, you know, we, we enjoy constructive criticism and positive feedback uh, equally. And as well, we've got some homework for you this week. So if you've made it this far, uh, we encourage you to tell a friend about us uh, and ask them or, or encourage them, introduce them to the podcast uh, and get them to check us out. It would, uh, you know, we'd really appreciate it. It really helps out to uh, hopefully grow our audience. So we're looking to reach, improve our reach on the internet. Uh, and I don't think we can do it without the help of our faithful listeners. So thank you once again for listening and we will catch you next week. Bye.